1290. Stay tuned. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Kreisel and Diane Duver and I host every week right here on AM 1290, repeated at 11 and on Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara at Figueroa and on the Capitol Streets and in Montecito's Upper Village. At Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with a personal care and attention of a small independent firm, coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. Hi, Neil. It was an exciting week. I got to see you in person this week. You did. I got a great mask uh, from you with a Weimaraner sewed into the mask, as I am a proud uh, owner of two Weimaraners. I was very uh, spiffy walking into the Miramar last night to get my Mother's Day basket with uh, dinner for, for two. Oh, supporting supporting local business. I gotta love it. Yeah, actually, it was really good. Uh, I, we or, you know we ought to consider not just that these uh, restaurants and hotels are providing takeout, which is a good uh, minimum, but they're actually very good food. So we we're lucky in this community for a lot of reasons, including the fact that we've got uh, vendors that are providing excellent alternatives to starving to death. Absolutely. And today we're lucky because we have the president and CEO of American Riviera Bank with us on the line. Thank you, Jeff, for being here with us. Hi. Hi, I'm here. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Okay, perfect. Great. I'm glad to be on the show. I know it's a little bit different of a format now that we're in the um, social distancing. We all can't be in the studio, but rather... We're Zooming and using the telephone. So thanks for taking the time to be with us, Jeff. We really appreciate it. Sure. And so, Neil, do we have some articles? Uh, we do. Uh, the first article we have is um, entitled Life Insurance Halt Sales as Hope Dim for Profits. And this is in today's Wall Street Journal. And when I saw the article, I thought the next sentence or the first sentence was going to be because of the possibility of more deaths uh, because of the virus. And that's not the case. The reason life insurers are stopping uh, the um, issuing of new insurance is um, they don't have enough interest uh, to interest on the bond interest is so low, they can't make any money. Life insurance make much of their profit by investing uh, customers' premiums uh, in bonds until claims come uh, due. And interest rates today have dropped to record low levels, and the economics is just not there. So I thought that was really interesting. That That is really interesting. And what's what else was interesting in the life insurance space? Just a few short weeks previously, they, they suspended doing the um, in-person physicals. And so people were really able to get coverage in that short window of displacement from the end of March through April until they realize that they can't make money on the bond, the bond interest different, differential. 
And so the health, the health risk was less of a concern. It's more that they can't invest the difference and make the numbers work and make it viable. Right. So the next article is entitled Warren Buffett's um, uh, is not optimistic. And this is a review by uh, Andrew Sorkin, who uh, has been for years, uh, the, among other things, a writer for the New York Times, but among other things, he's been running the panel for Warren Buffett and Charles Munger's yearly uh, report to shareholders. And um, the, the, the article is basically, uh, as he begins the article saying, it was very unsettling to hear uh, Buffett say, I don't know. Uh, he talked first about everything that's happened since 1789 with particular focus on 1929 to 1951, mentioning that it took 22 years to get back to its highs after the uh, crash in 1929. But what made him particularly uh, concerned is that um, in 2008, what he said was, in the near term, unemployment will rise, business activity will falter, and headlines will continue to be scary, but I'm going to buy American stocks. This time, he said, our position will be to stay at Fort Knox. So it's interesting that uh, this, for the first time, has made Warren Buffett very uh, pessimistic. Well, what else is interesting about Warren is that, you know, he's really a bottom feeder. He is a... Um, he's a uh, an investor that's looking for deals and he's a value investor. And so he's holding, he has a ton of cash on the sidelines. He sold out of his airline stock. Um, he, he said that, you know, with the federal reserve creating this false, this, this bottoming and the stimulus that Congress is putting together is what we're having here is there aren't any deals to be had. And so, you know, in one hand, that's promising. On the other hand, you know, it's always, it's always scary when, when the, um, the greats of investing also are um, kerfuffled by what to do. The next article is from Saturday's Wall Street Journal and it's their tax report. I don't think I've ever brought an article in about uh, taxes, uh, but this one's interesting. It says that this is a good time to um, provide for uh, money if you have it for family members because the imputed interest rate for loans is at a nine-year low it's gone from 2.7 percent to 1.15 percent uh, and for um, loans from three to nine years the uh, imputed rate is 0.58 percent so basically what um, you um, when you loan money to a family, you have to have an interest rate that is imputed and you have to pay taxes on it. But because interest rates are so low, the IRS has lowered that to essentially zero. So the article is saying that one of the ways to transfer wealth these days, besides a gift, would be to lend money because of the interest rate being so low. And one of the advantages of lending rather than gifting is that if and it's sort of a bizarre way to talk about a tax report, but it's in the article, is that just in case, yes, I can hear that, uh, The uh, just in case there's a divorce, uh, let's say in your kid's family, at least you have a chance of getting the money back. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. So, um, uh, you know, as, as estate planning becomes um, less and less of an issue for for many Americans, but uh, as the, the exemption is up to 25 million per married couple, um, it's it's techniques like that that can help the 
very wealthy transfer um, wealth to the next generation. Um, the next article is entitled Small Banks Grab Lead and Rescue Effort. And the article is saying that, uh, and this was in Friday's New York Times, and it, the article um, has said that uh, the, the virus has given small banks a chance to prove their worth. Uh, after years of watching big banks gobble up deposits using digital apps and sprawling branch networks, community, community banks are flipping the script and demonstrating the value of ties to local businesses. Banks with under 10 billion in assets approved about 60% of loans in the first round of the Paycheck Protection Program. Um, and um, uh, the smallest banks performed even better. Those with a billion or less in assets account for just over 6% of all US banking access, but they and other small specialty lenders approved nearly 20% of loan dollars. Uh, and I thought that was a pretty apt article to bring in considering who our guest is today. Yes, that was very apropos now, wasn't it? Yes. Um, what's interesting is there's an article that appeared today and I, I don't think I've ever brought an article in from same day turnaround? Well, no, not same day, but from CBS. <laughs> look, at what look at what quarantine is doing for you, Neil. Well, so much time. Um, well, you know, the, 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 the problem with quarantine is even when not on the, on the radio, I, I'm talking to myself and doing commercials. So, <laughs> but, that, but that's another story. Um, but the article today is, on, is in CBS Financial. I didn't even know CBS had a financial. And what the article, what the, the, the story is that CBS is reporting is that this round of lending, many small lenders aren't taking the money because the, uh, as to what the, um, the, the uh, forgiveness uh, rules are and uh, these small companies don't want to hire employees, bring them back to do nothing, have them make less money that they can make an unemployment, then have to get rid of them again with no clear path about whether or not they can have this loan forgiven. And so uh, we've gone from a period of the first round where there was this huge run to get it. And now in the second round, there's still money left over because the clarity is not there as to what the rules of engagement are. Um, so uh, on that note, I think maybe we should take a break because I think our guest could probably give us an even better insight than we've got from CBS Financial. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB and we'll be right back. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite 
invite you to visit the kellymarshteam.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. Hi, this is Greg Gorga, Executive Director of your Santa Barbara Maritime Museum. We have a fundraiser, our annual fundraiser coming up on Friday, May 29th. We are honoring surf legends Rennie Yader and Sean Thompson. Obviously, we can't have that here at the museum, but we are going online for a virtual fundraiser with an online auction, and you can go online at sbmm.org on May 29th and join us that evening at 5.30, and our online auction will run for seven days and all sorts of fun activities like a two-night stay at the Sunstone Villa at Sunstone Winery, a personal coaching session with surf legend Sean Thompson, or even a private cruise for two hours aboard the Condor Express. For more information about our annual fundraiser, go to sbmm.org, look up the Surf the Big Wave button, and you can join our auction, or you can contact us here at the Maritime Museum at 805-456-8742. Brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to its customers in a personalized and honest manner. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290. Or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. So if you're just joining us, we are thrilled to have with us Jeff Devine, who's the president and CEO of American Riviera Bank. And one of really the shining lights of this um, COVID-19 stimulus program out of Congress. So Jeff, share with us a little bit about what's going on at the bank um, during the shutdown and how you're handling it and um, what you're seeing out there. Yeah, well, we definitely, we took some steps early on to try to uh, help limit the amount of, of folks coming in in and out of the branches. And so one of the things that we decided to do early on to protect both our customers as well as our employees is we started doing a lot more things at the, at the door. And we've always had ATM there. A lot of people don't realize that ATMs can accept uh, currency. And so it was kind of a, an educational thing for our client base to realize that they actually can put money into the ATM, not coins, but bills. And uh, in addition, we opened up our night drop and allowed pretty much everybody to use it. Normally, that's something that only merchants use, where they drop their, um, their currency or the coin or their check deposits into the night drop. But we made a decision. We said, you know, let's, let's just go ahead and unlock it during business hours, and let's, let's let everybody use the night drop. Uh, we also encourage people to use our drive-up in branches that have a drive-up. We have two, uh, one in Paso Robles and one in Goleta. And um, for those that that didn't work for, we just went ahead and handled them at the door and, and just uh, put, a, put a, a table by the front door. So we did that pretty early on. We also separated into two different teams. We did an A team and a B team. And so every department got split into A and B. Uh, and it's kind of a military tactic that we had read about where um, 
that way, if, if for some reason Team A were to get sick, you still have Team B that can still do that job, whether they're doing it remotely or doing it from the office. And so we've been, we've been flip-flopping back at the bank where the Team A stays at home Monday, Tuesday, and Team B is in the office Monday, Tuesday, and then we flip-flop on Thursday, Friday, and, uh, and every other Wednesday. So we've been doing that for a while now. So that's what we've been doing just to try to keep everybody safe. We're actually going to unwind some of that starting this month, and we're going to start inviting clients back into the lobby again. We're probably going to keep the A and B uh, team thing going for quite some time. That's a, that's a good way to, to um, make sure that, you know, you don't have everybody at the bank sick at once if, God forbid, something, um, you know, COVID did spread to you. So that that's wonderful and very um, had a, has a lot of forethought in, in putting that into place. Now, with the easing restrictions, aside from letting people back into the lobby as, as the um, county and state starts to reopen, um, do you foresee any other changes that you'll, you'll implement? Well, I think, you know, the first thing is some banks looked at it differently. I would say that we looked at it right away and we said, look, you know, money is dirty. There's a lot of surfaces that get touched inside of a, a bank. And no matter how much we clean during the day, we just think it's safer if we decrease the, uh, the traffic inside the branch. Now that, um, you know, other banks didn't necessarily look at it that way. Some banks just never really changed protocols. They just maybe cleaned more often during the day or sprayed down surfaces. Um, but now that, now that businesses are starting to open back up, I mean, we've been open the entire time as we were deemed essential. However, now that uh, more, more offices are opening back up and businesses are, are opening back up in a phase two method, we're going to start having folks come back into the branch. What's really interesting about it is uh, we have a whole bunch of clients that have really learned how to use our online banking. They've used mobile deposit. They've used the ATM. They've used the night drop. They've used the drive up. So it was really an interesting experiment as well, just to educate the client base that there's other avenues besides just coming into the branch. I think the less clients will actually come back into the branch after this is over. I think this is a new way that people are going to be doing business. People are getting more used to using Zoom, doing things on a teleconference. I think that less people will walk into the branch is my guess. Well, but also you can't discount that everybody likes you guys. So you're very friendly. So they may, you may draw them back in just with your, your personalities alone. <laughs> well, there are, there are dog biscuits and candy. So that's important. That's why Neil keeps coming into the branch. <laughs> the dog biscuits. <laughs> for, for the dog biscuits. So w w did you get any help? Was there any industry uh, uh, suggestions that, you could follow or were all these ideas on your own? We, we came up with them uh, on our own and we did check in with other, you know, community bankers across the state. We were asking, it was really interesting because for the first, you know, say 10 or 15 days, we spent so much time worrying about how we were going to handle the branches. Everything that we did was about the branches, the deposits, you know, decreasing the traffic, doing the team A and B. We ended up switching into the SBA PPP loans, which I know you're going to want to talk about later. But that ended up taking a huge amount of our time, and the branches have become really quite easy right now. Everybody's really gotten used to um, using the branches in this manner and, and using the, uh, the night drop and the ATM, et cetera. So it's been kind of interesting, Neil. 
So now with your business owners, are you seeing, um, are, are you seeing most of them that can continue working, continue working? Are they changing protocols? And, and do you think in a, in a big picture on a macro level, business as we know it is going to change? I, th- I think it will. I mean, what, one of the areas that I'm really concerned about is, uh, is dentists. I, I think that um, they, they are getting a lot of advice from their dental associations about protocols, but one of the concerns that they have, and I'm sure it's this way with other kind of medical offices, they're concerned about the actual spray. They're concerned about when somebody works inside somebody's mouth, um, what kind of gets put into the room in terms of uh, vapors and things like that. So I'm actually really concerned for all these folks that are going to have to reopen their office. They're going to have to come up with new protocols. Like uh, they were talking about cleaning the whole dental office in between when you have a patient in the chair, when they leave, and you have to have it sit for like 10 minutes and you can't use the chair. You can't use the room again for another 10 or 15 minutes. That's going to be lost revenue for the people that teeth clean, for the dentist, et cetera. So that's kind of an example of the new world that we might live in. Others have adapted just fine because they can work from home. Uh, maybe a lot of them work a fair amount remotely anyway, so it hasn't been as big of a deal. But I think the hands-on, the doctors and the dentists, et cetera, I think that's going to be really difficult. They yeah, say nothing I, of, they say nothing of restaurants, which is the other, you know, which is a huge is. restaurants and tourism is a huge part of this community's uh, revenues business flow. So that, know, that's something that's that, uh, that um, we ought to be, you know, the only thing I think that's optimistic about food, about about restaurants is that people, when they are able to, will really go back. Because I think one of the things we've learned is there's only so much uh, talk you can have with your significant other by yourself eating frozen pizza. <laughs> well, actually, what I think what I think the restaurant should think about is when we do reopen is catering for the dinner parties because I do think for a period of time there will be dinner parties that you invite people to your home, but that you probably won't go yet out to the restaurants. You know, yeah, I've long, never as long as you have some space between your tables, right? Yeah, right. Or you only invite one family over or something along those lines. Will I get invited? I've never been to your house for dinner, Diane. Will I get to get an invitation? Well, based upon you and Beryl, you guys you guys were willing to jump in my car the other day when I dropped off masks for you. Yeah, yeah I know. It's been a while. You're willing, you're willing to sacrifice getting COVID for just some human interaction. Well, this has been going on for eight months now, hasn't it? Is that the right... Uh... <laughs> Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Jeff Devine from American Riviera Bank. All of our customers were once just like you, stuck with a bank that kept charging more for less. But when they finally made the decision to change banks, American Riviera Bank made the move easy with mobile deposit, online banking, free use of every ATM in the country, and a level of customer service that other banks dream of. Come in and make the move today in our downtown Santa Barbara or Montecito Upper Village branches. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people. It was a goal that I wanted to achieve from the very beginning. I'm a 40-year-old man that walked in there to get his high school diploma. I wasn't sure if I could do it. It was very hard for me, but the teachers, the counselors, they help you. One of the teachers was Miss Araceli. Miss Araceli 
She gave me direction. Every single time I had a question, she'll put down whatever she's doing and she'll come over and she'll sit there with you until you get it. At age 47, with the help of his teacher, Marco finished his high school diploma. 50% of getting your high school diploma is walking through those doors. The other 50% is doing the work. Getting your high school diploma, it is a life-changing experience. It really is. It catapults you to where you want to go. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Kelly Clarkson, and I've toured the country dozens of times, and there's one thing I see everywhere. Childhood hunger. The sad truth is that 17 million kids struggle with it. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers up surplus food and gets it to hungry kids. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. To help solve hunger in your community and to find your local food bank, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial guidance. So, Jeff, um, tell us about the Paycheck Protection Program, because what I've heard through the community and through my clients is that American Riviera Bank has done a phenomenal job at getting your clients um, this these uh, monies and that, you know, you've just been a delight to work with. So can you share with us, um, you know, how many loans you've given out to the community and, and what dollar amounts? Sure. So we, um, Diane, we, we just put out our press release uh, and we have some updated figures from our uh, March 31st uh, press release that we put out in April. And we were able to get um, in this number of climbs every day as we do a few every day, but um, the, the volume has definitely dropped off. I feel that most people that, needed a loan, got one, but we're up to about 577 loans and about $115 million. And uh, that's uh, 433 loans in Santa Barbara County and 113 loans in San Luis Obispo County. And what's really interesting about it is, um, you know, the first wave of funding, the initial $349 billion, that went really quickly. And it seemed that you, you had to be really adept. You had to have a system where you could accept your application online and have a portal, be able to have folks upload information to the bank. And so having that technology was key at the bank and enabled us to be really nimble in the first round when the monies went really quickly. Um, in the second round, there was an additional, I believe, $320 billion, uh, funded by Congress. And as of right now, there's only about $190 billion that's been used. So there's still $130 billion left. It looks like uh, everyone that really wanted a PPP loan uh, has essentially gotten a PPP loan. We may not actually blow out the second round of funding. We, uh, we were able to, to be pretty quick with it because of the online portal, as I mentioned earlier, but also because 
we did focus on, on our customers. So that allowed us, we already had documentation on all these entities. We had their LLC agreement. We had their filings with the Secretary of State. So when it came to know your customer and all the due diligence that we have to do in order to make a loan, these folks were essentially already on our system. And that helped us a lot as well. To take uh, folks that were outside the bank, we had to do all of that due diligence before we were able to do a PPP loan. And I think some banks that were uh, maybe accepting a lot of uh, customers or new customers in the first round were having a harder time getting all that information in. So there was another um, uh, development that uh, goes beyond clients. And that mm-hmm. was uh, with a bank like yours, which is sort of run like a family, uh, people who work for you were willing to put in extra hours and do all kinds of work. You know, I heard your um, controller was taking applications. I mean, they're, they're, everyone we, p- pitched in and that's sort of you know, a great thing as, a, as an institution. It was really fantastic to see it. At first, uh, I really thought that that it was going to, when I saw the size, to give you an idea, um, two things. One is we turned on our portal on Friday night. It was April 3rd. It was the very first day that anyone could make applications for PPP. We turned on, we were having uh, a little bit of glitch in the system. We didn't turn it on until 9.30 that night. And by midday on Saturday the next day, we were already at somewhere around 500 applications. We were already in the range of $80 million, had come in in less than 24 hours. As we got later into the afternoon, um, we realized that it was now at $100 million, and we were about 650 applications. And keep in mind, there were some duplicates in there. There was some confusion going on in that first day. Uh, But we we got to the end of of Saturday, the April 4th. We realized that the volume was massive. And we realized, of course, we had to fund this with our own balance sheet. It wasn't, nobody was going to send us money. The Treasury wasn't sending us money. The SBA wasn't sending us money. We had to fund it with our own cash, our own resources at the bank. And so uh, I thought it was kind of insurmountable at that point. I thought, my gosh, how many of these things are there out there? Is there going to be even in our client base, is there going to be 200, 300 million worth of demand? If so, can we even really fill that? Um, but the team responded so unbelievably. Um, we had a team of about, about 25 people that were willing to work whenever it was necessary. I mean, they were working all day long doing their job. They were working all evening long on PPP. I had a team that woke up at 3 in the morning because the SBA would open up its portal on East Coast time, and they were concerned that it was going to open up at 6 a.m. East Coast time. So I had people waking up at 3 in the morning to go into the office to make sure that they were ready to push these applications through. And uh, I just can't tell you how proud I am of the team back at the bank and what they did. We had our HR person. We had our controller, as you mentioned. Neil, We had everybody from different areas of the bank answering phone calls and helping customers. And that's really a sign of, of, a, of a true, truly well-run business because when people are willing to go outside their comfort zone of, you know, if the, you're the HR department, you're not usually even interfacing with clients all that often, you know, it, it really right. shows a testament to leadership. So you should be really proud of, of yourself as well as all of your employees at American Riviera Bank. 
Yeah, it ended up. It ended up um, right now. It's sitting at about you know our loan portfolio prior to PPP was right around six hundred million dollars, and so you add another one hundred and fifteen million dollars. You're talking about you know eighteen percent of our current loan portfolio, eighteen percent growth that all occurred within about three weeks. We literally had to take in these applications, screen the applications look over the payroll information that was uploaded, approve the loans, go back. Um, the SBA, a lot of people don't realize, the SBA required a lot of information that wasn't on their application. So a lot of the banks had to go back and ask for demographic information from their clients that was required by the SBA. Um, you know, things like, you know, what country were you born in? What ethnicity are you? You know, different types of questions like that that the SBA actually wanted to input in order to provide the SBA approval. So finally, once the approvals came through, we actually had to document and fund the loans within 10 days. And that was the, that was the real fire drill of this program, was that if you imagine having 500 loans, and we do probably 280 new loans a year. We do a lot of renewals, but we do about 280 new loans a year. We have 500 loans that we had to document and close basically within 10 days. Otherwise, there was a chance those folks would lose their SBA approval if we didn't do it that quickly. So it was it was a, a little scary there for a while, making sure that we didn't uh, we didn't disappoint our customers. And and I just can't tell you, like I said, how proud I am of the team that they just worked around the clock to make sure that it worked. And so there's another side of of of, of this. Uh, effort that haven't that you haven't faced yet, which is going to be when these loans uh, uh, come to an end. Uh, I would suspect many of your clients uh, are going to look to you for advice about how to close them out. And I, you know, the, everyone is doesn't have a whole team of accountants and financial advisors. They may just look to you. You have you're probably having to gear up to, yeah. you know, become the, the source. Well, uh if we, if we'll talk about that a little bit, if you'd like, and, and um, if we run out of time, we can always talk about it after the break, but uh, forgiveness is a big issue. And th this has created a lot of confusion here with this program. And uh, as you all know, the program continued to change. I mean, the CARES Act got passed, it got signed into law. And then as you all know, um, every day there was new guidance that came out about the program, about the features of the program and different things that got added onto it or clarified. And right now the biggest confusion that all these um, clients are facing is that they're not sure that they can bring some of their employees back because some of these employees are making really good money on unemployment. And so they're concerned about bringing folks back and whether they'll come back. They're also concerned about the formulas and whether they'll get full forgiveness. A lot of businesses don't want to go spend this money if it's not going to be forgiven. And there hasn't been clear guidance um, on exactly what it takes to have the loan forgiven. We have tidbits of it, but we don't have it all. We can talk a little bit more about that later if you want. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. 
Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. Hey, America, we need to have a little talk. I don't know if you've noticed, but we got a lot of food in this country. A lot of peaches, a lot of corn, a lot of apples, a lot of everything. We've got so much food that we can't even eat it all. So if we got all this extra food... How are 17 million kids in America struggling with hunger? I just don't get it. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to the hungry kids who need it. They can get you food even if you live in Idaho or Alaska or somewhere crazy like that. This isn't complicated. We got extra food and we've got hungry kids. Feeding America's done the math. Now it's your turn. Support Feeding America in your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. I know you got internet on your phone, so what are you waiting for? We can't do it without your help. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank. Making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream about. And so, Jeff, on the break, we were talking about the PPP. Um, so the pay, it's called the Paycheck Protection uh, Program that Congress passed through the CARES Act. And many of the small businesses that ha- have applied for it and, and received it, you know, the money, if they applied on the 3rd and they were approved of April, you know, they got it by April 15th which is an eight-week program that they have to spend this um, money for employee salaries and some utilities and rent, basically, were the parameters as I understand them. And that many small business owners are thinking about this loan or this Paycheck Protection Act, PPP, as being a way to you know, safeguard their business as opposed to keep employees off their payroll. And they're concerned about the forgiveness piece of it because part of the enticing piece of this Paycheck Protection Act was that if you use the money in specific ways that Congress has outlined, your your loan that you get will then be forgiven as to the business, so you won't have to pay it back. So I guess my question is, who makes that determination on whether or not the business owners have followed the parameters of the of the um, Protection Act, and when and when do they when do they find that out? I guess. Well, sure. So let's go through a couple concepts there. So first of all. What we do know is that um, when the CARES Act was passed and then the subsequent guidance that came out basically said that the the intent of the program is to keep people employed. Okay, we know that that has been a thrust of the program. And so when the more detailed guidance came out, it basically said to the business owners, you need to spend this money 
in the next eight weeks. So from, from the day you get the money put into your account, your, your loan gets funded, you need to spend it over the next eight weeks. And um, the formula is 75% or more needs to be spent on what are defined as payroll costs. And that's a variety of things that flow through payroll, including wages and tips and commissions and health care and retirement contributions, et cetera. So 75% or more needs to be spent on that. And only 25% or less can be spent on things like covered rent, covered utilities, and if the business actually owns a building, the um, covered mortgage. Uh, in the, when their program initially came out, it looked like they might, businesses might be able to service other debts with the PPP money, and then that got taken out of the program. So what we do know is that you do need to spend 75% or more on payroll. And the concern that a lot of business owners have is that if they got this loan in late April, um, they're going to have until late June to spend the money. And right now, um, some of these businesses still are not open. So here it is, it's mid-May, and the governor has said that some of these businesses may not be able to open until July or maybe even August. And so some of these business owners are um, concerned about, do I just go and try to hire my employees back so that they can sit at home and be paid with the PPP money when in reality, I can't bring them into the office. I can't actually have them come back to work. And in some cases, those employees are actually making more money than they made when they were working because of the extra federal unemployment benefits. So this has created a lot of confusion. And we're waiting for the SBA and the Treasury to issue definitive guidance on forgiveness. What we do understand is the banks will service these loans. We are servicing all of these loans for the SBA. Um, and we, all the forgiveness calculations, all any sort of documentation or certifications will flow through the bank. Uh, we have an online portal that we use for the applications. We'll use that same portal for clients to be able to certify their forgiveness calculations and to upload information. We're hoping that the SBA allows it to be a certification process only. In other words, what I mean by that is that the clients will not have to upload receipts. The clients will simply fill out something like an Excel spreadsheet that says, I spent $100,000 and I spent 80000 of it on payroll. I spent 10000 on rent and 10000 on utilities. And therefore, you know, I meet the 75% or more on payroll costs formula, and therefore my loan should be fully forgiven, signed under some sort of certification by the client uh, where there's some teeth in it that the government can come back and audit people later on if they weren't truthful. Um, but we think that the bank will not be making the determination. The SBA and the Treasury will be making the determination, but I think it's most likely going to be a certification. It's going to be an honor system unless you're audited is what I think will happen. You know, if I were a business and uh, I was unclear about what the rules of engagement were, I would be a, a little aggressive here because even if I only can use 25% for uh, non-payroll, it's still 25%. Uh, the businesses do get something. Now, that, that doesn't take into account whether or not you're hurting your employees, but there really is a motivation to try to make it work if you're a business because you are going to get 
real money that will be forgiven. It's a, it's a real gift to businesses, although it's only 25%. But if someone gets $100,000, they're getting $25,000, which could be a lifeline for many small businesses. I think the biggest spot of confusion and concern among these business owners would be that um, some of their, they furloughed some of their employees or they laid off some of their employees. And so right now, uh, they're in a situation where they would need to go back to those folks, let them know, hey, I want you back on the payroll because I got the PPP funds. I'm going to go ahead and spend it on your payroll. And those business owners are just concerned that there's a possibility that if they don't follow all the rules, um, that maybe come June 30th, if they go to try to apply for forgiveness, maybe only, you know, 50% of their loan is forgiven and not 100%. And so they would have spent the money to pay their employees to stay home before their business opened back up, only to find out that they're on the hook for a loan. Um, even though the interest rate is very low, it's a 1% interest rate loan, and they have two years essentially from the time you take it out to pay it back, they still wouldn't want to incur a loan uh, when their business isn't necessarily open back up. So there's been a little bit of a push and pull going on here. Those businesses that are already opened up think the PPP is the greatest program ever because they, they were considering having to lay off their employees or having to furlough their employees. So getting the PPP funds was an absolute savior because they were able to keep them on the payroll. Um, it's just been more of an issue for the folks it did let people go, and they're thinking about bringing them back. That's where the confusion has occurred. You, you, you said something really interesting I didn't realize. This is not all or nothing. That is, if you uh, use 60% of the money for payroll, you still get the uh, forgiveness, but it's only proportionate to the amount. It's not all or nothing. Well, that's an exact question that's been coming up, Neil. We believe that, for example, if somebody took out a $100,000 PPP loan and maybe they were only able to use 50000 of it, but 75% of the 50000 was used for payroll, we believe that that would allow 100% forgiveness on the 50000 that they used. And if they, if they didn't use the other 50, they can pay it back and it's... it's uh, there's no, there's no prepayment penalties. So we've been encouraging business owners, even if they feel that they can't use the full amount of their PPP loan, we've been encouraging, go ahead and use as much of it as you can and still follow the formula of 75%, 25%, because we believe that you can still get 100% forgiveness if you're following the 75-25. Well, that, that's great advice. And, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully your businesses, business owners are, are taking that advice because, you know, absent of absolute guidance from the IRS and the, tre or I should say the SBA and the treasury, you know, they really are looking to the banks to make those kind of thoughtful, uh, helping navigate those thoughtfully through, through the rules and regulations. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back with our final segment. Thank you. 
Hi, I'm Jeff Devine from American Riviera Bank. All of our customers were once just like you, stuck with a bank that kept charging more for less. But when they finally made the decision to change banks, American Riviera Bank made the move easy with mobile deposit, online banking, free use of every ATM in the country, and a level of customer service that other banks dream of. Come in and make the move today in our downtown Santa Barbara or Montecito Upper Village branches. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the KellyMarshTeam.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act License Number 41DB07220. California Financial Lending Law License Number 60DB07528. Loan Originator NMLS Number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. Hi, I'm Jenny Garth. Heart disease is something I live with every day. It runs in my family and it took my dad's life. So I'm choosing to speak up and so can you. Tell people how it's the number one killer of women. Tell them one woman dies every minute from it and that 80% of cardiac events in women may be prevented if you make the right choices today. Join American Heart Association's Go Red for Women. Speak up to save lives at goredforwomen.org. Brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So, Jeff, I have, um, you know, I've heard through a lot of clients and, and contacts that I have that their bank, for one reason or another, hasn't been able to come through for them. And there are some of the major institutions that have really struggled to come through for their clients. Um, in terms of this PPP program, as there is still money left in the program, are you are are you going to start um, allowing new clients to be able to uh, apply for it? And if so, if somebody's thinking about changing because of the horrible service that they've received through their um, bank, what should they do? And and will they be eligible at some point at American Riviera? So. Um- you know, in the in the very first round, there was a lot of chaos, and as as we mentioned, you know, the 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 sheer volume of applications was so high that a lot of banks really had to focus solely on their customer base. Um, really, didn't have a choice because we had mentioned we were talking about it earlier that we had to use our own balance sheet, we had to use our own funds. We also were concerned about the right capital ratios and everything to maintain at the bank. And when you're going to increase your balance sheet by a hundred. $115 million. And when you're a smaller community bank, that's a pretty big change. So in the beginning, we really couldn't um, help anyone from outside the bank. As we got into the second round of funding, um, it was way more organized. Um, there was not as much demand as there was in the first round, as we talked about earlier. So we've been able to help some folks that said, 
you know, we'd really like to move over to American Revere Bank. We really don't feel confident that our bank is going to get us the PPP funds. And do you think you guys can get us in? And what was really great about that is we found that usually within within a day or two of them finishing their application, we could get them completely through the system, approved with the SBA and closed. We got a lot of happy people that came over because of that um, in the second round. And so we've certainly been able to do a little bit of that. It seems at this point, though, that most people have obtained the loans. Um, the volume has definitely slowed down a lot. I think something in the range of um, only $4 billion or so was approved since last Thursday. So the volume has definitely um, considerably dropped off in the program. Uh, we also found a lot of folks that did get their loan with their bigger bank institution, but there was a lot of nail-biting. They lost sleep over it. They were really concerned whether they were going to get into the program before it ran out of money. And we had a lot of people say to us, gosh, I wish, you know, we had been clients of American Revere Bank. It seems so much smoother over there. And I, and I would put in, a, um, I'd put in a kudos to all the community banks. This isn't just about American Revere Bank, but I would say that in general, as Neil mentioned earlier, the community banks did a way better job of getting this money out to their client base than the big banks did. Um, you know, you can you can look at those numbers, uh, but uh, the vast majority of the loans in the first round were actually, I think it was 60%, you said, and it's probably about 50-50 in the second round uh, in terms of the small banks versus the big banks. Uh, but we, we would say that uh, all the community banks around town did a really good job of taking care of their customers. Yeah, and I think that that's something that you should be really proud of. And um, anyone I hear that's upset with their bank, I will definitely be sending them your way because it sounds like with 130 billion left, there's still there's still loans that you could do. Now, do you think there'll be a third tranche, or do you think that based upon the demand has been slower, that the Congress will leave it at two tranches? Yeah, I think I think this would be it, unless for some reason um, there's a discussion about um, reloading. In other words, eight weeks is over. We want to keep people on payroll. We do eight weeks more. more. Then that could require a lot more money. Uh, thanks thanks for, so much, Thank Jeff. you so much. Thank you for all you do. Uh, thank you for listening. You've been listening to Money Talk, and we'll see you next week. It's 3.30.